What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and you are listening to episode number 56. Today is Thursday, March 29th. A beautiful, hazy, I should say, gray and hazy, which is beautiful to me, but not that cold. Thursday afternoon here in New York. Um, and just so you guys know, I am back to the regular schedule Thursdays, okay? I know sometimes I uh, do it on a Thursday or a Friday where I'll record the show and then you guys don't get it to Saturday or Sunday if I'm traveling or doing something, but I've actually figured out something on the computer, how to get it up and how to get it published sooner and more immediate. So I'm back to the regular schedule, and I want to stay consistent with that because that's when most people listen, and I know that the listeners want it consistently. So that's what we're going to definitely try to do from now on. Thursdays, you might get it on a Friday, and maybe rarely later than that if I'm doing some insane traveling, but for the most part, we're going to try to be consistent here with the Thursdays. So um, that's what we're going to do. Today, I have a lot of cool things that I want to talk about um, including, I want to talk about therapists, I want to talk about OCD, I'm going to talk about some movies that I saw, uh, just a bunch of stuff, uh, uh, an audition, a big audition that I have coming up, and uh, actually I want to uh, talk about the Mohegan Sun where I just performed last week. So thank you guys for the feedback on episode 55 last week, I know that I was talking about some you know deep personal stuff and some situations that I had go on. In my life that were rough, not, hey, listen, nowhere near rougher than a lot of other people's, but we all go through shit, and uh, the things that we go through in life make us who we are today, and a lot of people listened last week, and it really touched them, um, with the bullying, and the and the moving, and all the stuff that I, you know, I kind of went through with my family, which made me um, really the reason why, you know, I am the person I am today, so I'm glad that I got to touch people like that, so thank you for the feedback and um, keep it coming for sure. All right, now I want to talk about where I was last weekend. I was performing at Mohegan Sun Saturday night, and I have to say it was awesome. Uh, thanks to everybody for the kind words after the show. I truly had a good time, and, you know, a lot of comedians, you know, say, I, I kill, well, somebody has said this to me, can a comedian kill? Can a comedian do really well and kill, but they don't feel good and they didn't like what they did? To answer that question, yes. There are a lot of times. There are times comedians go through a lot of stuff on stage that people don't even know. You know, things that they're thinking about on stage or, you know, even if they're doing well, they don't really feel it. Not the case of Mohegan Sun. Mohegan Sun, I'm not going to lie, I killed. I had a great set. But on top of that, I genuinely was having fun. I honestly didn't care. <clears throat> Excuse me, I didn't care what the crowd thought, and I was having a great time, and um, it was awesome. It was just a great crowd, great show. I did about three new jokes. They all went well. They were, you know, made me feel great about the set, and uh, it was great. It was a home run. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jeez, I'm fighting this fight. I won't, I'm, I'm not accepting this cold that is trying to come in because I just got over being sick. So I'm basically refusing this cold that's trying to like is knocking on the door and I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. I'm not even answering. But anyway, my buddy, uh, comedian James Goff came with me. Uh, he was, he wanted to come out with me to Mohegan, check out the room and stuff. So, uh, he was there supporting just, you know, he wanted to, uh, you know, watch, watch, uh, watch the show and then we were going to go out and, um, what we wanted to do was we wanted to after we after I performed at Mohegan and and uh, James and I we ate something we decided we're not going to stay at Mohegan Sun what am I going to do take my shitty pay that I was getting anyway and 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 you know roll the dice no I'm going to get out of the casino I don't want to be there so we want you know James is a movie buff like I am we wanted to go see a movie and uh, we both kind of wanted to see Hunger Games we wanted to see what the what, you know, this whole craze was about. I'm a movie buff. Like I said, he's a movie buff. So we're like, let's go. The night before I tried to see it with my brother, it was sold out. Okay. I also heard that it broke records for the Thursday night midnight showing than any other movie in history. It broke records. So it was like, let's definitely see this. So we leave the end, but it's already like 11 o'clock at night. We got a, like almost a two hour ride to get back. 
So we were going to try to see it in Westchester at 1225, but we with previews and stuff, we thought we were cutting it close. We couldn't do it. We just didn't, we didn't even want to attempt to try to, you know, rush, rush, go nuts, park the car, run in and find out you missed like the first important 10 minutes of a movie. Uh, even though the movie's two hours and 20 minutes, whatever. So we're driving and as, you know, we're basically throwing in the towel saying, I don't know if we're going to even see a movie tonight. Maybe we'll just go back home, whatever. It's a good show. It was a good time. We ate something, cool night, whatever. Hanging out with a buddy, doing some work, getting paid. Maybe we're going to just have to chalk it up to that. But as I was like kind of programming in movie theaters to where we wanted to go, other movie theaters started to come up. So we found one like 11 miles away. So it was off of, I think, 95 South in Connecticut. And I don't know the area. He doesn't know the area. So I said, listen, call up, find out how long previews are and if it's sold out. Because we don't want to drive there, get off the beaten path, and then... You know, come to find out that we did that. We took a detour and the movie sold out. That was suck. We're having too good of a night for that shit. So we wanted to have all our T's crossed, right? Eyes dotted, all that shit. So he calls up. She says, no, it's not sold out. And there's 12 minutes of previews. But here's the kicker. You got to get here by midnight because we literally locked the doors at midnight. Now, with the 12-minute preview, she told us that basically means the movie was going to start at like... Um, I want to say like 52 after something like that. Um, so anyway, we get there, maybe like 57 after it was really close. We get there, we run in and I shit you not. There were four glass doors in the middle and the guy was already locking the first two. So we just made it. So we run in, we get the tickets, the lady at the ticket, uh, you know, at the box office was like, were you the guys who called? And we're like, yeah. And they were all laughing that we just made it. I said, you know, how much time do we have left? And she looked it up and she said, there's two more minutes of previews. So like, oh my God, this is epic. This is, this is fucking perfect. You know, great night, great show. It's late. We're going to see a, a long movie late. We both like movies. We didn't care. We were in. So obviously, you know, we go to the concession stand. Now, I'm on a diet. I'm on a strict diet. By the way, lose, lost uh, nine pounds. Feel great. And I know you know you're doing good on a diet when everyone's telling you, hey, man. You look good, you look thin, and, and I could feel it, clothes just fitting better, all that. So, so, but I have a rule, okay, and my rule is I don't give a shit how good I'm eating and how health conscious I am, okay, uh, I definitely get my Diet Coke and some a snack at the movie. I don't care. I haven't been drinking soda, but I'm at a movie, and it's a long movie, so we go. The problem is the guy pouring the sodas was slow as shit, he just was like looking around, he's kind of taking his like, taking his sweet ass time, and it's, it's, it's fucking midnight, you know, so James starts to like look around getting pissed, and I'm looking around like, I, you just wanted to scream, hurry the fuck up, you know, let's go, of course you're not gonna do that, but it was really frustrating, to the point where I just had to go, alright, you know what, we made it, we got this far, if we miss the first couple of minutes of the movie, that's fine, but you know, so we got a popcorn, we got candy, we were good to go, we go into the movie, and right as we walked in, uh, the, like, the writing was on the screen, so they were, it was just, we probably walked in 10 to 15 seconds late, which was fine, we basically knew the gist of it, neither of us have read the books, did I like the movie? Yes, I did, it was two hours and 22 minutes long, which is a long movie, to me, it felt like an hour and a half, I liked the movie a lot, James Goff fucking loved the movie. James was like blown out of the theater. See me, I wasn't blown out of the theater. Okay. Now here's my one problem. It was a great story. Good actors in it. I thought the acting was great. Um, Donald Sutherland had a small part in it. Uh, who else was in it? Elizabeth Banks, Stanley Tucci, uh, Woody Harrelson played the mentor of the uh, the mentor of the two uh, people from the District Twelve. Um, but here's my problem with the movie, okay? And like I said, it was a good movie. You should definitely see it. The only thing that I didn't like and why I wasn't blown away by it, I would have been blown away, okay? I would have given it maybe a... Uh, right now, I'm giving it an 8.5. I would have given it a 9.5 close to a... A 10 needs to be a perfect movie. Okay, Godfather 1, Godfather 2, Gladiator, 
you know, usual suspects, certain movies, like for me, true romance, movies like that, those are tens. Tens are hard to come by, all right? I would have given it a nine and a half if it would have just been more violent. I needed more violence. Now, I know that sounds silly to some people, but listen, here's my, here's my reasoning for that. If you are watching a movie about a fight to death, which they do yearly, okay? Basically, the gist of the movie is there's 12 districts that go and they fight in the Hunger Games every year. Well, I guess the book says that there's 13 districts, but one got wiped out because they tried to rebel against the capital. But in the movie, there's 12 districts, and what they do every year is they pick a boy, a female, and a male to fight in the Hunger Games, which is a fight to death, and there's only one winner. Basically, it keeps people in line. It gives the entertainment. It kind of shows that, like that, those are the sacrifices that you know for the war that I guess was in the past, something like that, right? So, if you're doing a if you're doing a movie about people competing where there's death, it's a game which is fighting to death with one winner. I just gotta see somebody get sniped out like gangster, like you know, an arrow through the head. Just some kind of just, and it wasn't it wasn't that. And I understand it's PG-13 and it's for kids. But don't tell me, oh, it's PG-13 for kids, but these kids are going to kill each other. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's hypocritical. Okay, these kids are going to go into this situation and they're going to cut each other. They're going to gut each other. They're going to wait. They're going to chase you down and kill you. But we just can't be too brutal with it because it's PG-13. That sucks to me. That was my problem. I think that that's a legitimate beef I have too. Because it's not like... It's not like this is some PG-13 where the point of the movie isn't killing. The point of this movie is killing. And it was still good. It was still good. The story was great. The characters were great. I thought Stanley Tucci was really good in it. I thought that the girl who, you know, the girl who played Katniss, who was the main character, she was really strong. Her character was strong. Her acting was perfect. I, I really thought that it was good. I, I really did. I just thought it could have been really great. And from people who read the book, they said it's not even close. But the book is always better. Here's why the book is always better. There's too many details in a book. The movie would be too long. You can't make a four or five hour movie. There's too many details and little things that let your imagination, you know, take you to this place. And then you get disappointed in the movie because the movie, you expect it in the movie. You can't. They only have so much time. Plus, you, you're going to lose people's attention after two and a half hours. But the girl, I believe her name is Jennifer Lawrence, who played uh, Katniss, the the um, the the star of the movie, was on Fallon, and Fallon even said, you know, it's a two and a half hour movie, but it felt like an hour and a half, and it does. If you get into movies, you're gonna. There's no way you're not gonna get into this. I could totally see this being like the next type of Harry Potter's, where people just line up and go nuts. It, it's gonna be that. I just would have liked, like I said before, a little more, just a little more, like. You know those scenes in movies where something's violent or brutal and you're just like, you put your hand over your mouth like, oh shit, that was awesome, that was ridiculous. I, if it had like one or two of those moments, I would have been like, oh, this is the shit. But I still like the movie. Recommend it, highly recommend it, go see it. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely good and it'll, it'll get you involved in the, next, uh, in the next two movies. So finally I have a new release to, uh, to review for you guys and um, I really enjoyed it. So check it out. And I also saw, oh, I saw another movie that I wanted to talk about because I wanted to see it. I kept saying I wanted to see it when it came out in the theaters, but it just was a new release and I just saw it on demand. And it was Ides of March with Gosling. Talk about a lineup of good actors. Ryan Gosling, George Clooney, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Paul Giamatti. Those are four of my favorite. All that movie needed was like Christian Bale, I would have said, and Denzel, my favorite actors. And Edward Norton is Edward Norton was thinking about Edward Norton, man. It was like Edward Norton was on that sick run where he did American History X, and he uh, he started to just really show that he was gonna be the guy. He was just a, just a great actor, and then um, it just kind of fell off. He was doing movies every once every five years, but he's uh, a guy that I don't know. I just. What was the one? Not not We Own the Night. He wasn't in We Own the Night. He was in that other cop movie uh, with John Voight as the father and uh, Colin. Was it Brooklyn's Fine? No, Brooklyn's Finest was. He was in that other cop movie, but I love Edward Norton. Edward Norton is is what I thought was going to be like the next 
Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of my favorites. So anyway, Ides of March, really good movie about Clooney running for, uh, you know, to, to get the, the, the nomination to run for president for the, um, the Democratic uh, nominee for president. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess winning the primaries and, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Ryan Gosling are on Clooney's, like, you know, his campaign staff. And Paul Giamatti's for the other guy. And then something happens and there's a twist in it. But Gosling's character is awesome. Philip Seymour Hoffman has great speeches in the movie. Really liked it. So there you go. I gave you guys two good movies you can go see. I'm putting my name behind them. I hope, you know, I think I've been pretty good with it. You know, I know a lot of people thought Drive wasn't as good as I made it out to be. I'm still standing by it. I liked it. But either way. Check out Ides of March On Demand. You could get it right in your home. And also The Hunger Games, which I'm hoping the second one is a little is a little better, but I really got into this one. So those are that's the movie review for the week. And I'm actually now I'm like I'm getting more into I got a little bit of time. I don't go on the road. I don't go on the road and actually leave New York until, um, like, fly to another state until the end of April. So now that I'm in town, I'm going to be, you know, for a while, I'm going to be checking out more movies. There's definitely some stuff. I got pissed. I wanted to see that new Nicolas Cage movie, and it felt like it was in theaters for a week, which is usually a bad sign, but it looked like the plot is, you know, looks good. Um, All right. So that does it for, for movies. And... I guess, uh, we'll, uh, you know what, I'll get into Unacceptable for the week. Real short, real sweet. And then I'll do some sports. And then I wanted to talk about um, some stuff. I want to talk about some OCD. I want to talk about therapy. Or I should say therapists. Definitely got to get into that shit today. Because uh, I want to hear your guys' opinion on that. I want some some emails after. And then I'll talk to you guys uh, about some stuff going on in my career. I got some cool stuff coming up. I'll do the plugs for the week. And then I'll get you guys out of here. But um, first I want to say, unacceptable for the week, Nancy Grace's face. I just fucking, there's something about Nancy. And you know what? It's that simple. I don't have to get into it, really. There's something about Nancy. Maybe it's how fucking stupid she sounds when she tries to make a point. And she's one of these people, this is what Nancy Grace does that drives me nuts. And I don't watch her, but I've seen her before. And I could just totally watch her and know the type of person that she is. And know when, when she's in an argument. She's one of these arrogant people that always thinks she's right. She doesn't listen to the other side. She shoots down the other side without taking any kind of any kind of points from anybody else, and she just has that arrogance about her, and she's got the, ugh, her fucking face, I can't stand it, Nancy Grace's face, unacceptable for the week, on the Verzi Effect, episode 56, you remember when Snooki got punched in the face, now listen, let me, let me say this, I don't condone hitting women, and I'm not saying that, because that's the popular thing to say, I really don't, it's fucked up, you hit a woman, you know, a dude is stronger than a woman, you're gonna hurt him, it's just not, it's not anything that I condone and I'm against it. I'm not going to lie. When Snooki got blasted in the face and she just, by that teacher guy, I thought it was really fucked up that he did it. But then there was a little part of me that just, I just got satisfaction just because of how annoying and like the whole fucking stupid reality TV and the fact that she's making the money she's making with no talent. There was like a little satisfaction, if I could be honest. Not that I condone the action, but if you substituted that, her, with Nancy Grace in that situation. I'm not going to lie, people. There would be like the inner, there'd be an inner laughter somewhere in me just because of her arrogance. Oh my God, Nancy Grace is terrible. But I do think everybody deserves to get hit in a certain situation or a scenario. Women or men. And I'm not saying men hitting women. I'm just saying everybody in some situation or scenario deserves to get hit to just be put in line. And if it happened to Nancy Grace in any way, shape, or form, it would be satisfying. I cannot stand that woman's face. Uh, so Nancy Grace's face is unacceptable for the week. I hope she hears this shit, too. Um, just, like, try to find her email and send it to her. Okay. Uh, sports. Not too much going on with, with sports, but I will say... I have to talk about the Knicks who won. I think it was either seven of their last eight or eight of their last nine under the new coach, Mike Woodson. 
The team is clearly inspired, playing defense, blowing people out. And how about the Orlando Magic? I was going to go to this game last night. I decided not to. And I actually wasn't. I'm not just talking shit here. I was actually going to post on Facebook and Twitter. I was going to say, I got a good feeling about the Knicks tonight. But then something made me not because, you know, they were shorthanded. No Jeremy Lin. No Amari Stoudemire. So I'm like, oh, man, if it got ugly with the Magic, I'd look like an idiot. But I just felt good about it. I called up. I was going to get decent price tickets for, in, in a decent uh, section of, the, of Madison Square Garden. But, of course, it's a 7 o'clock game which means I'm 40 minutes away from there. It's going to take me, with the traffic and everything, 7 o'clock games suck. That's why I like the 7.30 tips, because it really doesn't tip off till about 20 to 8. Those are the games that I like. So I didn't go to the game, and I didn't post what I thought would happen, but it it did happen. Um, Without Amari Stoudemire, without Jeremy Lin, and a healthy Orlando Magic team coming in, at one point, folks, we were beating them by 39 points. Oh, we were killing them. Shitting on him. 39 points at one point. Everybody was going off. And by the way, this kid Novak, this white kid we got coming off the bench. I'm not ever. I've never. I'm talking about anybody in any era. 80s, 90s. I'm talking Michael Jordan. I'm talking anybody. I have never seen a better open or guarded three-point shooter in my life than this guy Novak. I've never seen. He's 50%. That guy shoots the lights. It's ridiculous. The guy comes off the bench. Other teams knows he's going to do it. Other teams know. Everybody knows he's going to do it. He's behind the three-point line. He stands in his corner. He waits. He shoots. He nails it every time. J.R. Smith was going off. Carmelo, I got to give him credit. After D'Antoni, he took a lot of heat. He's playing good. We're winning. We're playing defense. And I'm telling you, if the Knicks can get out of the eighth spot, which is basically the basement of the playoffs where you have to play either. We'd have to either play. If we were in the eighth spot, we'd have to play, I think, the Bulls. I don't want to play the Bulls or the Heat. I've got to get to the sixth spot, which I believe they would play the third. And then we could take a team out. Um, I don't think we could take out the Heat, not now. But I like what I'm seeing with the Knicks. It's definitely an improvement. And God, I probably just jinxed them. Oh, shit, they're going to lose the next five in a row now. But hey, there's only, what, 15, 16 games left? And... We've only lost one under this guy, yeah, because he's had 24 games when he got there, and we've won, I think, eight of the last nine. So it's looking good. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. Maybe take a team out and go on a little run. Yankee baseball is going to start. They're always going to be in the hunt. Giants, well, the Giants could do no wrong for 10 years. Now. I always get, when my team wins a Super Bowl, I give them 10 years. As Eli Manning didn't have to complete a pass after the 2007 season until 2017. That's how nuts I went. And then he ends up doing it four years later. So the Giants, as far as I'm concerned, I'm good with them. All right, so it's just the Knicks. I need the Knicks to uh, step up. And uh, that's pretty much it for sports, guys. There's really nothing going on. March Madness. I like Kentucky, but there's no kind of there's no prediction there. Kentucky's the number one team. It looks like they, they can win anytime they want. So I think Kentucky's going to win it all. And, um, all right, that's it for sports. Now I want to talk about a couple of things that I wanted to really mention this week on the podcast. Um, I want to talk about therapy. Therapist, if you've gone to a psychiatrist before, please email me, Go message me on Facebook, uh, go to my website. Actually, you know, just message me on Facebook and let me know what you think about them. Because I have two, I have two feelings. Like, I, it's, it's tough. It's so funny. I'm like, yeah, I have two feelings. One, they're good. Two, they're not good. Yeah, that narrows it down, Paul. No, what I'm saying is I think that therapy and therapists is good for some people because I think some people really need that outside person to kind of guide them, really kind of need somebody to tell them what it is. I think everybody you know, in a sense does, but I think some people really, really need that. But here's the thing. Some of these guys are stealing fucking money. Some of these these therapists are stealing money. They, all they tell you is it's either your mother fucked you up, your father fucked you up because they're a certain way. You're insecure. We're all insecure. Something always happened. It's always our parents, or or just something happened. It's you know and 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 basically what they do is they dissect you. They figure out what event happened in your life which kind of molded your personality or what your parents did, and then that's it. And then they tell you, well, you need to step up to people more. You need to be more vocal. You need to communicate better. And it's kind of just, you know, 
I don't know. It's just, put it this way. I went to this therapist not too long ago. I haven't gone in years, but I went a couple years ago, which isn't really that long, maybe a year and a half, whatever, two years. And I swear to you, all the guy wanted to talk about was me being a comedian, who I performed with. He was fascinated. Now, I get that. You know, the first time one of your clients tells you, you know, they're a comedian, you're going to be into it. Wow, who do you perform with? Where do you, you know, I never, you know... You know, I, I don't know how the business works. And it, okay, fine. Then the second time, maybe a little bit more. It got to the point where this guy just wanted to talk about comedy, his opinion on comedy, his opinion on political comedy. Like he just, it was hilarious. And then when we would talk about regular things, he'd be like, yeah, you know, you're looking into that too much. You're fine. Like he would blow off the problems and then talk about fucking, you know, did I perform a danger field? It's just some, you know. And I mean, I didn't mind talking to him about it. But after a while, I was just like, man, this guy, this is all this guy wants to talk about. I'm not kidding. One time I was talking to this guy and he he yawned. I was talking to him about something. He was yawning and looking at the clock. I was like the last patient of the day. And he's like looking, he's a like clock watching and yawning. Am I fucking boring you that much that you're going to yawn during a therapy session? He's like, this is because that's fucking stealing money. And another thing they do. I'm not saying you got to keep people in longer than when the time is up, but isn't it? really disrespectful to be sitting there and trying to talk about something that you're trying to get off your chest or fucking feelings or problems you have and they're like oh that's it that's it the bell rung see you later they can't get you fucking out of there fast enough you know i'd rather just sit down and tell my cat shit and not have to give them money it's stupid it really is you you know and then and the best the biggest hoax is these psychologists not even psychiatrist a psychologist they always have to tell you, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a doctor, but I've read, I've read, I've studied. What kind of, sh- that's like, the- psychologists are like the chiropractors of doctors. They call themselves doctors, but they just crack your back and they, you know. I could be a, I could be a fucking chiropractor. Yeah, cross your arms, lift you up, crack your back, you feel good, alright, give me my money. I'll see you next week. Make sure you keep coming. I know that, I know it's not as simple as that. They have like heat they put on and shit and they do stuff, but give me a fucking break. You know, so I basically, I'll just think about the shit my mother and father did. I'll think about what happened in my upbringing that was different and could be, you know, bothersome to a young child. And then I'll just, and then I could just do it myself. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. If, you, if you're out there, you got a story about how these people are so great and they really helped you or that they sucked and you didn't get anything from it. Email me, message me, tell me what you think about it because I'd really like to know. And I won't mention your name if you want to talk about it, but... You know, I'm confused because there were definitely times where I've talked to family members and they said, oh, I'm really getting helped by this person. This person is really letting me get stuff off my chest and, and I feel like, a, you know, a truck is lifted off my back when I leave there and it feels good. But, like, why do you keep going? That's another thing I don't understand about it. It's like, okay, let's say we really dissected shit. We dissected it. We kind of know, you know, be more assertive or, or, or be vocal to the people that you need to be vocal to and don't get stepped on or don't be so insecure. Here's some medicine you could take. And then you finally start to get a grip on your life and understand what's going on and you keep going and giving them money? I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about it. I want to talk to you about it because, um, and I'm on medication, you know, I, I, this will segue right into to another thing that I wanted to talk about, which was, you know, my OCD. Um, I suffer from obsessive compulsive disorder. I have, since I was probably in the third grade, didn't really understand it or know what was going on, but I have a very unique OCD. I have the type of OCD, and I talk about this on stage, where I get crazy thoughts, whether they're violent, whether they're, you know, hurting somebody, hurting myself, whether they're, they're sexual, just crazy, unrealistic things that you don't act on, but you just get. I think a lot of people have them to certain degrees. And for like 11 years, I was off medicine. I was on medicine, then I wasn't on it for 11 years, then I went back on it, then I lowered the dosage. And I will say, if you have OCD, another, th- please let me know if you have OCD because I can definitely, especially if you have the thinking OCD, which is what they call a puro or a pure obsessive. And some of it's hilarious because I would literally be standing somewhere and just be like, what if I just pulled my dick out and just fucking dumped it in that person's drink? Like I, crazy as shit. And they have no idea. I could be talking to them about sports. Like, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, the wizard's coming to town. We should kick the shit out of them. And I'm just like, what if I just fucking jerked off in this guy's water? Like crazy, 
and it it's 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 so unrealistic but i'm able now to <laughs> i'm able now to um i guess understand it you know because i've been dealing with it for so long and you know, I remember the my, when my son was born, I loved him so much. I'd be walking, you know, up and down, and I'd be like, would I ever hurt him? Would I hurt him? What if I hurt him? It's, I could hurt him right now. And it would hurt me because I would never do it. But the thing about OCD people, it's a very tricky, it's a very tricky disease and disorder where I don't want to hurt my son or I wouldn't hurt myself or anybody. The, the things that you so much would not do come into your mind. That's how it attacks you. So you just kind of got to say, no, it's crazy. You know, it's not me. It's what I'm dealing with. But I went on medicine and I went on Luvox and Luvox and I don't take a lot. Don't go on the crazy high dosage, but a little bit of it, it takes the edge off. It doesn't make you dwell on it. It doesn't make you just sit there like incapacitated, like and, and where you got or have the undo thought. This is how crazy OCD could could be. There's something called the undo thought. Okay, I'm going to break it down for you people here on the Verzi effect. The undo thought means, let's say you're sitting there and you're at a, you know, and you just think of something sick. Something sick, twisted, unrealistic, you, really intrusive thought that you would never act on. Okay, and we all get them every once in a while. Some people more hurtful and worse than others. But let's say you have that. The undo thought means, okay, let's say you have that thought and you're leaning up against a, a pole or a railing. The undo thought means you can't leave that polar railing. Your shoulder can't come off of it. So the exact position you're in while you're leaning up against that polar railing, you think of something sick. The undo thought means you think of something nice and pleasant and opposite, which will take away, in a sense, I know it sounds crazy, but what it does is in the person's mind, it takes away the first thought and it kind of replaces it so it undoes it, and then you get this pleasant thought. Then you could lean off the railing and go about your day and go walk away from it. That's how fucked up it could get. Now, I really don't do that. I haven't done that in a long time, but OCD could get that bad. Luvox helps you. Luvox will make you walk away from it. Years ago, I tried to take Zoloft. Fuck that. Zoloft was no good for me. Zoloft was... First of all, when you're on Zoloft, your dick feels like it took Novocaine. It's just nothing, you know? I mean, now I'm on I'm on Luvox. Not, not really bad... Um, not really, but I dropped down. I was like 100 milligrams, and I dropped down. Now I'm on, I'm on like 25 milligrams, and there were many days where I don't take it sometimes, and it's really not that different, but the little bit of it does allow me to walk away from, um, you know, some crazy things, and I could just kind of laugh it off, and, and now that I'm getting older, I have a lot more understanding about it, so it's easier, but if you go through this, man, I hope this helps you. Um, if you, you know, I obviously I won't say your name, but if you want me to address something on the podcast about it, this has been, you know, there's a book out that you could get. It's called the imp, uh, imp of the mind. And it basically talks about this, the urges and the things and the thoughts that you get that are unrealistic that you won't act on. And it can really help you. Uh, and it's amazing too, because I've done shows where I talk about my OCD and the crazy thoughts I get on stage and people come up to me afterwards and it really connects with them. And it's funny because when I'm on stage talking about it, you get two different, uh, I get two different looks from the crowd. I get people who are genuinely like scared for me and think I'm nuts. And then I get people who are crying laughing because you could tell that they, they, they deal with it in a way. They know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and it feels good. One lady came up to me in Connecticut and it was really sad where she said to me, um, oh, my God, it was so nice to hear a comedian, you know, it's, it's make you feel like it's okay. And she goes, unfortunately, it's kind of, I found, I'm finding this out too late, but thank you for doing that. So basically she's saying she dealt with it for so pain, so much pain with it for so long, but now that she heard a comedian talk about it, she was like thanking me. And it felt really good, and it let me know that like through my humor and everything, people understand that it's like real-life shit that can help them. And, I, and that made me feel really good. So... You know, OCD is, is, is a, they call it the silent epidemic of with the one that I have with the thoughts and stuff, you know, but I, now I can actually like, I'm starting to be able to laugh like part, like some of the thoughts are so sick and crazy that I could just laugh. And I think maybe that's where I get, you know, who knows what the fuck happened to me or why I get these crazy thoughts. You know, I don't know if it's an insecurity. I don't know what it is, but it's just some crazy random thought. And now, now it's really fucking killing on stage and helping my comedy. So there you go. It, it, you know, it, it's, I guess, <laughs> you, you talk about real shit, you know, that's what the comedians that are my heroes did, Carlin and Pryor and guys like that, they talk about real stuff, so I'm starting to see that when you could find the funny in that, man, it's all the difference.
but OCD and 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 therapists, you know, they studied about OCD. They obviously know about it. And you talk to them about it and, you know, they'll tell you. And, and each person has different degrees. Mine gets really bad if I'm overtired. Like if I'm really overtired, um, I can really start thinking of... Because you know the way you get kind of like crazy and you get all kinds of, you know, the way you can laugh really hard when you're really tired or you just get that whole like hysteria thing going on when you're tired. Well, that can also be bad to people that get anxiety or that, that have OCD because it just fucking makes it just, you know, totally just cranks up the volume on it for a while. Um, and you just got to deal with it. But so, but the, the, the Luvox helped because I remember I was in Louisville, Kentucky. And when I first started taking the medicine for it and I refused, like I threw in the towel, you know, after a while I was just like, fucking, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm going to try. Because I only, you know, and, and I remember, like, having a crazy thought, and I was still able to just, like, do my job, like, walk around, not even thinking about it, let it go, and it was such a free feeling. And and it doesn't change you. The biggest question that I had, is it going to change my comedy? Is it going to make me not as creative? Is it going to fuck up my writing? No. The answer is no. you got to get on the right medicine. For me, it was Luvox, and Luvox doesn't do what, like, Zalov does or those other things that just make you feel in the middle and, like, kind of just, like, just, just... Just in, I don't know how to even say it. You're just kind of like stuck. I don't know if that makes sense, but the word is like you're just stuck in this little kind of like medium place where you don't get too high or you don't get too low. I don't like that. I think people need to get high and low, you know, for life. That's what life is. But if you can find something that just takes the edge off a problem, then you got to do it, man. I mean, I'm slowly weaning myself off of this, but it's it's still the little bit definitely does help because it's something that you still you deal with. I'll probably deal with it for the rest of my life. So if you have it, do it and and talk to, but if you have, but just don't have your fucking therapist yawning and think that that's okay. I should have, you know, what would have been funny if I was just like, dude, did you just really yawn? Like I'm paying you for this shit. Like, can you take $5 off for yawning? They should take, every time they yawn or talk about something about themselves, they should take money off. How about that? Then I bet you they'd be a lot more fucking attentive. Attentive? Is that the word? I don't know. Speaking of tired, I'm tired now. Um, all right. So email me about OCD, any OCD stuff you have. I'll tell you what's crazy. Watching the shows of these people with these OCD obsessions where you see that lady, she had like 1,500 dolls. She's got a name for all of them. She changes their diaper and like wipes them down and talks to them and says they're her babies. That's fucked up. I mean, that, like a therapy, I mean, I guess some people, you know, some people need something. I mean, I don't even think she needs therapy. I think she needs a fucking straitjacket and a rubber room. Because if you have 1,500 dolls and you name them all and you remembered all their names and you change them every day, you're fucked up. Like, I don't care. You know, crazy is crazy. Like, how can you go into somebody's house and see 1,500 dolls and then the, watch the person talk to them like they're kids and still be like, all right, yeah, let's go out to lunch and get that salad. I'd be like, first of all, you're not getting in my fucking car unless it's me driving you to a fucking hospital. <laughs> Number one, why do you have $1,500? I think $10 for an adult is nuts. $10. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing during the day? Do you know how long it must take to change dolls? How long would it take to change $100? If you had $100 in your house, you had to change all of them. That's got to be close to, that's that's literally got to be close to an hour, hour and a half. This lady's probably dedicating 12, 14 hours a day to, to, to things that aren't alive. To melted plastic, molded plastic. It's fucking insane. You know, listen, I have fucked up OCD thoughts. Okay, I do, I admit it, I talk about it. That's my... That's my whatever, my shit, my issue. We all have them. And I'll deal with it. And I'll take a little medicine for it. I've talked to people about it. I'll read about it, whatever. I deal with it. Fine. If somebody wants to call me crazy for that, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's crazy at all. I think it's normal. But if somebody wanted to say that, I'd say, yeah, maybe my thoughts sometimes they are a little out there, whatever. At least I'm functional. But if you tell me you got $1,500 in your house, you know the names to every one of them, and you change them, you're fucking crazy. That's it. Crazy. Nuts. Out there. Sick. How can you have a relationship with that? Yeah, come on. We'll go to dinner. We'll go to a movie. And then we'll uh, 
We'll lay in bed with two dozen dolls and I'll tell you all about their history. The guy would be like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> if I ever walked, if I was ever dating a girl or a woman and she told me she had 15. And here's the thing. There's another one where the couple does it. The dude does it too. They like give it names and wigs and like full mannequins just sitting there and shit. Like Lars and the real girl. I saw bits and pieces of that movie, Ryan Gosling, where he's just sitting there. Some people actually have that. You know, like get they get sick or they it's ridiculous. I don't want to shit on somebody's problems. I really don't. I don't want to shit on somebody's sickness. All right, but there needs to be a draw a, a line needs to be drawn here. You know? The hoarders and stuff the hoarders and stuff, I think a lot of times something really bad happened with um, with the hoarders, the cats and stuff. So they feel like they need to help something. But I, I just can't, like, the dog. And, like, I could actually, I could understand the animals more. Because it's a real life thing. It's alive. It's a cat. It's a dog. It needs it needs to eat. It needs water. You know, it goes to the bathroom. It's It's, you know, it's basically, they behave almost like... Humans, some of them better than humans, but but a doll, a doll doesn't go to the bathroom. A doll, like, why are you changing its clothes? Like, a doll doesn't get dirty. It's sitting there. I just, I, I don't know. It's fucking nuts to me. Um, but again, you got to find the humor in it. There's something humorous that somebody's talking to something that's not alive, like it's a person. I, I find it hilarious. Um, okay, so that's it. That person should go to therapy, by the way. That person needs to... I'm talking about the... I'm talking about functional people who aren't dealing with $1,500 a day. I'm talking about, you know... So email me about that, all right? Now, I have something cool coming up on Wednesday. And I'll give you guys a little little, little insight, little comedy insight here to, what's, to what I have to deal with. Um, I have my... F- this is the first time I'm getting in front of the Letterman people. I am auditioning for the um, the Late Show with David Letterman on Wednesday. Um, I have to do a five-minute, obviously, clean audition. Now, here's the problem with the 11 o'clock, 11.30 late-night spots. You have to be like, Conan is later, Fallon's later, Ferguson's later, and I have to submit now separate ones to these people, Okay. Because you can get away with more for Conan. A, it's later at night, or it's, uh, I'm sorry, not Conan's not later, Conan's on TBS. So one is on TBS, and then Fallon's a little later, so you could be a little more, you know, risky, and uh, the Ferguson thing, a little more. Problem is, when you're talking pro- like 1130, uh, you know, for Letterman, which is, you know, obviously CBS Network, I can't even go anywhere edgy now I'm an edgy comic I am I can be a dark comic um but I could also be you know I could also be fool like a fool and mess around and do like you know hokey stuff that I think is funny like I can go anywhere with it but you know when I'm really honest and I'm really at my best and and doing what I love to do I'm talking about real life stuff which is edgy so I have a few really cool jokes for like the first three minutes of the audition but the other two minutes, I'm like, man, can I say that? Can I say that? And I'm waiting on, on, I have to talk to some people and I'm waiting on some things. But I just don't know if I could say certain things and I'm like kind of, you know, sucks because I want to get it right. I got to tailor it to, to this. But I'm excited about it and, you know, I'm not just doing this for a learning experience to get it. I'm trying to get the show and I have an opportunity to get the show I just need to make sure that I, you know, I'm prepared properly and this is what I have to do. And but and what sucks is it doesn't suck cuz I'm having a blast doing it, but I got to put together like three late night sets. You know, for for the different ones. And I guess that's a great problem to have and I'm not complaining and I'm very humbled by it, but I just want to make sure that I get the right shit out there and I do it and and I love it. You know, I don't want to tailor it just to what they'll like. I want to make sure what I'm saying I believe in it because the crowd comes it comes across to the crowd. Anytime you see a comedian do a joke and they really believe in it and love it and think it's funny, it comes across way better to the crowd. Always. I've done jokes where I was like, yeah, this is going to get a great laugh, but I'm sick of the joke and I don't love it anymore, and it's come out, as you could see. 
So there's no hiding it. So that's what I'm going to. But I'm really excited about it. I'm putting it together. And um, that's what I'm going to be doing uh, for the next uh, few days here. So I'll get into some plugs now. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please email me, contact me. Thanks for all the listeners. And like I said, please go to um, go to iTunes, leave your, your, your comments, and uh, send the show to a friend if you think they would like it. Um, and especially if I talk about something that you know somebody... Um, you know, would like, like if somebody, you know, has OCD, they talk to you about it, send it to them or, or the therapy stuff or everything. All right. Uh, cause I'm, I'm loving giving you guys stuff and I love talking to you guys and, uh, I want to just spread it out there, you know, more and more. It's cool. People are starting to, I get in a couple of compliments. Like it's cool when people, when they see you like, Oh, you know, you're funny or I like your comedy or, you know, I heard about you, but when they say, Oh, I, uh, I, I'm a fan of your show. I listen to the show all the time. That's fucking awesome. So, um, please keep doing that. And, and thank you again. Now plugs this week. Uh, I, oh, I will not be tomorrow night. I will not be at the brokerage comedy club in long Island. I was taken off that because, uh, some other things came up and, um, so I will not be at the brokerage tomorrow. Saturday, I will be opening I got added uh, to the Bill Burr show. I will be opening for uh, my buddy Burr um, at the Music Hall in Troy, New York. Okay, so that's up there by the Albany area. I don't get a chance to get up there that much, so I'm looking forward to that. I'll be doing that. And then the next night, Sunday, April Fool's Day, I will be opening for Bill. We will be doing the... Terrytown Music Hall, which is in Terrytown, New York, in Westchester, which is right in my backyard. Last time we did that, we had a really good time. Hopefully, um, you know, just hopefully it's just, it's just the same. It was just awesome. Great crowd. Smart crowd. Looking forward to doing that. So this weekend I will be with my buddy. By the way, shout out to Bill Burr um, for his six-minute rant about alternative comedy on his podcast, uh, the Monday Morning Podcast with Bill Burr which is one of the top comedy uh, podcasts out there. Check it out. Um, and he, he I don't want to you know speak for him because he, he did it perfectly. Um, he nailed it. But he, uh, and it's so important for comedy that, that a guy like Bill, you know, said what he said. Just And it's basically about how like the whole alternative or nerdy scene, you know, kind of started to, to really take over comedy for a while. And you know, the one thing I'll say that he said that I totally agree with and I've talked about it many times with with uh, many comics and friends of mine is that when you take the element out of how hard the business is, when you, you know, take away the, wow, how do you get on stage and get in front of people? It, that's what this business is, folks. This business is a microphone, you, and a fucking crowd watching you. And it's, it, and it's hard. It should be hard. That's what makes it great. You know, it's what we do. We work many, many years to get good at it. And he was basically saying the alt scene where that element is taken away, it's terrible. You know, and Bill and I have a lot in common when we first started, you know, from when we first started because we first started similar. You know, we were both, I think I was 21, we were both really young and we, you know, to get stage time, I've talked to Bill about this many times. We got up and we did, you know, urban rooms and black rooms. And those rooms are, you better be funny fucking right now. Okay? Fast. And that's what comedy should be. Like, comedy should have never been, this is okay, it's all my friends and everything is accepted. You know, they did, a, they did an alternative documentary called Tell Your Friends. Right there. Right there, that's fucking terrible. Tell your friends. Yeah, so if you suck, we could just talk about how, you know... It doesn't matter, and we're quirky, and it's bullshit. And for him to say that was really great. I loved it, and I agree with it, and I've been agreeing with it for a long time. Okay, here's the bottom line. This is what comedy uh, was, is still, and should always be, okay? Can you get on stage in front of 300-plus people packed out in a comedy club and sustain great laughter for 30 to 45 minutes, okay, that's what it is, and the bottom line is, a lot of alternative comics can't, and it was great that Bill did that, so, so shout out to him, and if you didn't hear it, go to Bill Burr, Monday Morning Podcast, his, his podcast is amazing always, but check out his, um, his last one, and there's, uh, it's posted all over Facebook too, it's a six minute rant on it, and it's awesome, and he nailed it, um, and we will be working together 
this Saturday and Sunday, and it's awesome because Bill loves my son Lucas, and my son Lucas loves uh, loves Bill too. Bill's coming up to see him, and uh, it's it's going to be a good time. Always when you get a chance to uh, to work with your buddy, so it's going to be great. Um, so that's what I got going this weekend, and then I have uh, a week off where I'm just going to be writing my five minutes and working on my late night TV stuff. And then uh, April 13th and 14th, I will be performing at Wisecrackers Comedy Club in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I had a really interesting uh, and uh, unique situation happen where me, Kevin Downey Jr., another another comic, my buddy Sean and Kevin Downey Jr.'s uh, girlfriend went to this bar. And it was like this bar that's known in Scranton to be like locals and kind of weirdos. But it's like one of these things where, oh, you got to go see it type deal. And I'm not making this up, man. We go in there and there were fucking, it was weird. They had like this gambling game. People were smoking in there. They were doing like everything you're not supposed to do in a bar they were doing in there. And then I went to leave and the doors were locked. And the, and the place was still open for another couple hours. I literally thought I was it was going to be some hostile shit. And they were like looking at us. I thought it was going to be like the movie Hostel where a gas comes up and I wake up in like dirty tidy whiteies with grease on my forehead sweating with a gag in my mouth tied to a chair. And some guy with a hockey mask is just looking at me with his head tilted. There's a drip of water dripping into a bucket, that lonely drip. I see a bunch of rusty things and there, this guy starts fucking... Put, I, I, I swear to God, that's what it was like. And I'm not kidding, it got to the point where me, I remember me and uh, Kevin Downey Jr.'s girl, I believe her name is Elizabeth, how funny is that, I go, me and the girl in this situation were really concerned, <laughs> no. but uh, we were just kind of looking, and people were looking at us, I'm not kidding, it was like we were the outsiders, and uh, and then I, I could have literally called the cops and be like, I'm locked in this place, we had to go and talk to somebody and they let us out, really fucking weird, anyway, the comedy, the, the the room that they got is at the hotel, and it's a good com- it's good comedy. It's good crowd, so I'll be there. Um, I just totally made it unappealing to anybody who might want to come out there. <laughs> but if you're in Pennsylvania and you want to come out see the show, I'm doing a ton of new material from when I was there last time, and it should be awesome. So that's April 13th and 14th. If you could still get tickets this weekend for the April Fool's Day in Westchester, and you're in Westchester, you got to come out to that show. It should be awesome. And that's it. That's it, folks. 52 minutes in. Um, so, to recap, check out Hunger Games. I really liked it. Could have been more violent. Ides of March was good. Therapists, I'm still on the fence with. OCD is an issue. You could check that out. The Knicks doing good. What else did we talk about? Yep, thank the people at Mohegan Sun last week. Did my thing. Nancy Grace's face is horrific. Just fucking oh, terrible. Ugh. And that's it. So thank you. This has been episode 56. I'm going to have a guest on next week. Um, and it's between two people, so I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to say one and then the other. But next Thursday, I'm going to have a guest on here. And it should be a good time. Uh, please email any questions that you would like us to address because we may be doing the From the Fans next week. So um, send them in. All right, I am out of here until episode 57. Thank you for listening, everybody. Keep the downloads and the comments coming.